Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. Sometimes listeners want to know about triggers. I'm dealing with the aftermath of my husband's affairs, and he still works the same job that he did when he was acting out. It's a job that allows him to hide his goings on and one that he stated was the previous trigger for his acting out. The whole 16 and a half years we've been together, he's acted out. In the beginning, what I thought it was was just pornography. Um, It ended up being, I found out two and a half years ago, he had been with multiple prostitutes. I only found out a very small portion of that until about a month ago. How do you cope with all of that when you still have to deal with unavoidable triggers? Well, of course you would feel traumatized by hearing all that information. And I got to tell you, Stephanie, that's a staggered disclosure. That's finding out little bits and pieces about your husband's behavior throughout a time period, making you feel insecure, unsure, and unsafe. So what we got to do is set up a situation whereby you get with a specialist to do a formal disclosure so you can hear everything at one time in a safe environment. What it entails to be as safe as possible while you're going through the worst crisis of your life. Welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio. I'm Carol Jurgensen Sheets, and we have a fascinating show tonight. I've got to tell you, um, this is an expert on Asian interracial marriages, and she understands the complexity of sex, culture, and religion among Asian interracial relationships. I want to welcome Shin Chin Taylor to the show. Welcome, and I'm so glad to have you on tonight. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me over today. I am so excited and honored to be here today. Oh, well, we are glad to have you. Now, now tell me, what made you decide Mm -hmm. that you really wanted to talk about this topic? Well, this um, Asian, I am Asian, and I was a part of um, this group, Asian, non-Asian, the coupling, and I mm-hmm. personally experienced how difficult, challenging it is, um, and then I work, uh, majority of my clients are that um, Asian, non-Asian uh, coupling, and um, mm-hmm. it really um, came to my mind how we, a lot of Asian women, really didn't have understanding about the dynamic, the complexity of interracial marriage when we're getting into the same thing with the, you know, the non-Asian husband or the other uh, way around. So I really well, want I- to educate for those folks. Okay, so you're interested in helping couples to understand the Asian interracial dynamic, and there are a lot of stereotypes that I know mm-hmm. you want to bust. I mean, very clearly, you are a professional that works with Asian interracial couples, 
and and you find that sometimes the betrayal from a loved one related sexual affairs brings a lot of traumatic experiences and mm-hmm. part of that part of that trauma has to do with some of the stereotypes of the Asian women in general. Can you share some of those stereotypes? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think the most challenging stereotypes that a lot of uh, Asian women uh, come and share with me, and also a lot of non-Asian husbands uh, openly talk to me about this uh, stereotype, especially about the the uh, the Asian a uh, non-Asian husband's um, desire to experiment with this exotic, um, you know, submissive um, Asian woman. Uh, most of the mm-hmm. time, the Asian non-Asian uh, husband you know, learn about this kind of stereotypical um, ideas about Asian women from uh, the media, the movies, and, you know, porn industries, and uh, and also U.S. history in the past when there was, um, you know, a lot of U.S. troops were stationed in overseas, especially with Asian uh, countries. Mm-hmm. So they have this image of Asian women very exotic. Uh, they're becoming very sexually curious about Asian women's their submissiveness, especially, um, that open uh, Asian husband told me about before they get married and they have this uh, idea of Asian women would do anything to please their husband. So when they are getting into the relationship, non-Asian husbands have this high expectation about um, the fantasy about their sexual life, whereas a lot of Asian women don't have really much of uh, education uh, on sexuality from the beginning, and there's a high emphasis on the purity and the virginity and um, the family tie, family name, uh, family lineage that connected to women's uh, virginity. So it was really mm-hmm. difficult dynamic when Asian women uh, married to non-Asian husbands. Uh, there's an also yeah. when there's a sexual. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say continue because I'm I'm trying to understand how that occurs, why that occurs. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of times the Asian woman doesn't have a much of um, not everyone. Again, there's a lot of you know Asian is a big, large group of people. So sure. the main population that I you know work with most of the time they were Asian born. So they come mm-hmm. to the United States. So they have, first of all, they have this idea of the Asian, the America as a, you know, dream come true kind of thing. They can mm-hmm. um, come and they try to achieve what they were missing back in their home country, or um, again, not. It's really not so much about submissiveness a lot of times for Asian women. It was really to maintain the family intact once they get married. Uh, a lot of focus was meaning towards the children, which is very similar to non-Asian women. I think a lot of women have this um, trait that, that focused on the kids, especially when after they married have their kids. But because of there is a high expectation towards the sexuality um, and the Asian women's this, this exotic uh, nature in uh, non-Asian mm-hmm. husband's mind, it was very difficult for Asian women to fulfill it. And because a lot of Asian women doesn't know much about the culture 
they were not educated about sexuality overall. And also, there could be a lot of legal issues. Um, the husbands tend to have a lot of power over the green card or legal status. Um, and then a lot of times, Asian women have uh, reluctance to go back to Korea or not Korea, but go back to their own country uh, because of their own um, family dynamic. So there's multiple layers uh, of Asian women losing their power and then the, they try to regain it as much as they could. I guess, the, you know, sex becomes a way to gaining those power, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. It's, it's it Asian women like... get stuck, right? Asian women get stuck, and non-Asian husband is not satisfied, again, because they start with the high expectation about Asian women. Yes, and, and a lot of um, misinformation about Asian women. And then I would think that there would be a lot of pressure on Asian women um, from two different directions. I mean, clearly, uh, in Eastern cultures, women's sexuality, especially the value of virginity, has been highly mm-hmm. valued, um, not only mm-hmm. to the individual, but also to the family legacy. And then yeah. she comes to this culture, the Western culture, and clearly that is not necessarily what men expect from any woman, Mm -hmm. let alone Asian women. And so there you are in a real dilemma of do you stay true to your own values or do you acquiesce to the new values of the new culture that you're living? And that has to be very, very difficult for Asian women. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, learn just the, the concept, the new concept they never experienced. But a good example is the term, the military bride. You know, the the Asian woman doesn't have a much of a concept about it where, um, you know, in the 20s, early 20s, when there was a male order bride, there's a catalog, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, Asian women, especially in the military setting, have another layer of suffering because of the very culture-specific um, the nuance that a lot of Asian women has to deal with. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty common uh, practice when you go overseas where there's a, a military base, U.S. military base, there's a lot of prostitutes, and this, the sex culture is pretty common. And, and especially because a lot of Eastern country has military bases, for many years, um, there's a lot of taboo and there's a lot of barriers, even within their own ethnic group, when they're married to military people. Um, so the military spouses, actually military couples, struggle a lot more than other um, the coupling, even if they are same Asian uh, interracial couple. And there's another layer, like where linked to religious peace, where you know, especially Christianity. They emphasize a lot of um, the similar concepts, you know, the virginity and the hierarchy. Uh, women has to be submissive um, to their own, well, to their husband, which also implies any type of sexual need. And I hear in the clinical setting just um, really uh, dismissing or even dis- um, degrading Asian women's the humanity almost, the you know, integrity as a as a woman, as a person, when the husbands, they, what they are asking to perform in their bed. So, 
it is uh, very difficult. I think it's tough for Asian women to meet those needs. Oh, I, I can imagine. And, and if I can divert for a moment, obviously mm-hmm. you are an expert in dealing with um, women who have experienced partner betrayal and sexual betrayal. Mm-hmm. And do you think that sexual betrayal or partner betrayal affects Asian women any differently than American mm-hmm. women that were born and raised mm-hmm. in this country? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a really good question. I think a lot of, again, what's the uh, background the Asian women came to the United States or what's the background that Asian women married to non-Asian husband? That's actually a pretty important key there. Uh, most of the times, um, the Asian women don't get much of support from their own uh, family of origin, especially husband is not white. There's a lot of bias towards um, non-Asian husband. So let's say I married to black male. Uh, there are likely there's a lot of um, uh, disagreement, and the, the, she doesn't get much of support, approval, family. Thus, they have a higher risk if the the, the betrayal happens, uh, affair happens, the marriage on marriage in trouble in crisis. They really doesn't have mm-hmm. a much of support. And there's a language barrier, there is a social class, and the career, there's a lot of limitations for um, Asian-born whites if the marriage is on in um, crisis. So they get disempowered by the fact, not only just by the fact that their own marriage is breaking, there's a lot of shame that they uh, bring into, well, first of all, they bring a lot of shame from the beginning when they marry mm-hmm. outside of their uh, ethnic group. Because a lot of Asian cultures, this high value on, you know, again, purity, right? Family lineage, but the pure bloodline. And then we are adding, this Asian woman is actually adding, not only they're not Asian, but it's a completely different bloodline, right? So they already bringing a lot of the shame to the family when they decide to marry it. But then if the uh, husband is not white, there's a lot of, uh, again, bias towards a white male. Uh, I think that which comes stems a lot of from Asian, uh, no, uh, what is it, the military uh, personnel. When there's mm-hmm. a lot of, um, the, you know, the white, just uh, something about the, the, the symbol of almost the power or symbol of American dream. So you become a little bit more acceptable, for the lack of better words, but if it's a black or any other uh, ethnic group, Asian women face much more uh, taboo, much more um, challenges when the marriage is is in crisis. Yeah, it's not only about, about the whole family. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that there's already a bit of a stigma from the Asian mm-hmm. culture if a woman marries outside of her race or outside of the culture. And then I would think that if she marries outside of her race and into the American culture and then partner betrayal occurs, that would Mm -hmm. put extra pressure on her to not know if she can really share her vulnerability for fear of being judged. Now, I don't know that Mm -hmm. to be true, but would you say that that would be an extra stigma for her? 
Oh, absolutely. They, I, I um, talk, I meet a lot of Asian women. They really struggle with the decision about whether they're divorced or not. A lot of times they decide to stay. Um, the main uh, reason is that shame they bring into the marriage, uh, onto the whole mm-hmm. family. They could not go back to their own country. Um, even if they decide to marry a uh, divorce, there's a lot of shame associated with that, just the divorce in itself. But then the reason of that divorce was from, uh, you know, sexual, you know, betrayal or there's um, any form of a type of betrayal, even if it's not sexual. It brings uh, multiple layers. So the woman actually becomes uh, isolated within their own ethnic group, not only just a family, even because of the here in the United States, Asian community is pretty small. I live in a pretty big uh, city, but the community is pretty small and then pretty tight, you know, neat uh, community. So something like that, the very personal affair, is very easy to spread out. There's a lot of rumors and there's a lot of, um, because Asian women, they're not going to say too much about why, because they wanted to also protect their own image. Because when the husband, you know, had a sexual affair or a betrayal or what, they're automatically assume that there the, must be something wrong or you must you know, not do something right. There's a lot of a blame towards women historically, culturally, which still continues to be the same. And so obviously you are an expert at understanding this culture and you realize the all different types of religious and spiritual um, pressures Mm -hmm. that an Asian woman Mm -hmm. faces, not only marrying outside of her culture, but also when experiencing partner betrayal. What kinds of resources do you offer Asian women, or would you tell us that we really need to offer Asian women so that we actually help them feel more comfortable mm-hmm. in their own vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I usually share a lot of um, the uh, education seems to be working really well. I think there was, uh, again, the Asian culture emphasized about the education to neutralize mm-hmm. because the topic of betrayal or if it's something about sexual betrayal or, you know, sex addict or in that nature, those topic itself brings a lot of difficulty for women to talk about it. So to make them to feel a little bit more uh, comfortable and feeling neutral about just talking about it. And I do a lot of um, basic uh, psychoeducation about what does that mean here in the United States, for the lack of better words, uh, by using some of the uh, books. I might use it, some of the um, YouTube channel. Sometimes we use it. I use uh, movies. Just um, mm-hmm. um, make it more of a third person, not directly related to them. And then it's almost mm-hmm. like a, you're going through the hierarchy. Um, and then we'll talk about a little bit more um, someone else's, as if like we were talking about someone else's story. And then it goes almost like a toward the steps, and then we talk about what was your first experience with uh, sexuality? What was your first time you know, when you lost virginity? Like, did it impact any when you were selecting your spouse? How does that impact when you decide to marry your spouse? Does that have anything to do with what was your expectation about him? 
or what do you think mm-hmm. the healing technique will you? Because most of the time they don't have this knowledge about the, what's the social, the cultural stereotypes against Asian women. This, there's a lot of uh, education on it, and also uh, emphasize a lot about the because a lot of times Asian women really worry a lot about their husband, um, and also they try to protect their own family. And I um, talked a lot about the the love, the concept itself is a bit different. The marriage is a, is a different, whereas the Western culture is a really individualistic. My own choice. There's a, a lot of emphasis on autonomy, in the in, you know the emphasis of love, like more of a feeling, like emotional mm-hmm. kind of love, whereas the East culture. Marriage is really never being an individual, the personal affair. It's a whole family. Sometimes it can be a whole community affair. So that's why it's the most difficult for Asian women to break the marriage or when a husband uh, violated their own integrity or personality, as a personhood even, they have a difficult time actually stand up for it. So there's, I educate a lot of different, you worry about your husband from your own Asian perspective, but that's not how it goes. Likely, that's not going to be how it goes. And then we talk about different uh, the ideas, and I try to bring as much as possible um, the family member. Usually, it will be great if there's a supportive family member, because she will likely feel very uh, disempowered. And the family member, supportive family member, church member sometimes can be very helpful resource. Uh, sometimes it could be very negative. depends on the church member's the uh, attitude about her marriage or her decision to divorce if that's the choice. Okay. And so obviously we have a lot of our listening audience that are partners that have experienced betrayal in general. And, you know, you and I had talked, a week ago, and it was so interesting because I did speak with an Asian doctor after that. Um, she is a partner, mm. and her husband is in good recovery right now. But I asked her, I said, do you feel that you have to deal with a different complexity because you're Asian? And interestingly enough, she absolutely substantiated what you said, and she said, mm. That when her husband acted out, both with pornography and with other women, she was afraid of the shame that would accompany telling other people what had happened, whether that was with her own family, whether that was within Mm -hmm. her own social group, and whether that was within Mm -hmm. her own religion. And um, she said, that's why I was so happy to speak with you, Carol, because I knew that you understood about partner betrayal and it didn't matter that I was Asian. You would still understand my dilemma. But you know, what you're Mm -hmm. teaching me, Shin Shin, is that I don't understand really the Asian culture and things like Confucianism. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you mentioned in in your write-up about the one-drop rule, which brings a much Mm -hmm. complicated challenge uh, to those mm-hmm. under the influence of Confucianism, can you share with our listening audience what that challenge is like? Mm-hmm. For under the Confucianism, so there's a high emphasis already about the hierarchy, especially 
male-dominated culture, a woman was raised and told from a young age that women have to be submissive when they were young, obviously to their father, when they're married to their husband. When they get older, they're supposed to be submissive to the, their oldest son. In this kind of setting, because of, there's a lot of the hierarchy, not only the hierarchy, the husband makes the final decision. Male makes the final decision, right? No matter what the cause of it, whatever happens, if the husband has ultimate state to whatever the outcome might be, even if there's a porn or any kind of betrayal happen. And also the um, women also try to, it's really uh, unconscious kind of level. There's a high, high level of the secrecy. They really wanted to protect even the husband's fault. There's a high hierarchy, high tendency towards trying to protect and minimize husbands what they did, even in the clinical room, that's just about the same. Um, so it really needs a delicacy when dealing with those um, the women trying to protect them because it, it really does look like they are codependent, they are enablers, their boundaries are so blurry, they're not healthy. You can't really, as a counselors or coaches, we can easily actually harm uh, Asian women's decision in that process. If we really try to understand um, from Western kind of perspective, you need to decide because this is your own marriage. Because it's really not, she's not making decisions just only for her, right? She, again, we have to remember she already violated. So she's already starting with a high guilt, much higher than would you imagine a lot of um, non-Asian women because they, married outside of the, uh, you know, the own group, which brought a lot of the one-drop rule again. Their bloodline is not as pure as it should be. But then not only that happened, they, if the divorce happened or the cause of divorces affair or infidelity or a sexual in nature, very shameful event, although it's very common actually a lot of Asian cultures where husbands are allowed to go out and, you know, um, bringing the uh, other, the third marriage or, like, because of the bloodline, they have to have this pure line of the son. And when that happened, the woman's actually, not only the, the guilt, but the shame coming from, it's not about, we open understand the shame as the, my personal being, the guilt as a, you know, the one's behavior. Well, Asian women, the shame is quite different because it was so much tied to their own intercultural interconnectedness. Being just ostracized, being just excluded from their own group brings a lot more challenge and shame. It's really difficult for them to re-engage. So it's really, really critical to help Asian women to create Another group, it could be like non-Asian friends or someone, like it could be the support group that we have, but it's really critical for us to help them to create the other types of the community comfortable. They need to have this support group. They feel more of included in this, and then they can get some support from there, and then they can slowly work with their own uh, ethnic group or the family to rebuild their uh, pain and their uh, shame or whatever they brought to the family. 
Right. And, you know, I know this is a speculative question that I'm going to ask you, but clearly mm-hmm. most of the partners that we work with attempt to make it work with their husbands. Some are mm-hmm. able to do that and some can't. Do you feel mm-hmm. that Asian women are more locked into their marriage because of all the cultural shame? Cultural shame is probably the number one. Like more of a hidden. They were likely, it's very interesting. Like Asian women, when I'm in this, uh, the clinical room, and also my dissertation was, my dissertation was about Asian women married to non-Asian, uh, married to white men. Asian women's uh, resilience process after infidelity. What struck me is that Asian women, it's very easy for them. It's you will hear pretty you know, on all the age, all the stage, that they uh, feel ashamed. Not only because of what they did or what they happened to them, they have this multiple layers shame that they actually bring in from their own parents that had nothing to do with them, but they already bring a lot of those shame into the room. So when something in their couple setting that happened, bringing shame, they absolutely try to minimize that shame. But a lot of the times they decide to stay, and then they actually focus a lot on their kids, which then kids get additionally of um, unspoken pressure that a lot of the second generations, their kids, don't understand why their mom is. I mean, when they're young, it's good to have a devoted mother, but they become almost like a pathological. So the Asian women's coping is very common. They just focus on the kids, and they sometimes okay. Not much. It's not really a coping. They're really content about as long as their marriage, they name again the face saving. That cultural practice is so strong that as long as their marriage, everybody knows they're still married, marriage is breaking apart inside, a lot of Asian women, the content, they just the content they can maintain their marriage. It's pretty sad sometimes just looking and trying to talk to them about that part, but in part of me that I understand that just the name, face saving value is such a critical. They, um, can manage, and then they ended up the older they get. So there's a very culture specific, um, the mental illness per se that a lot of Asian, especially Korean, Chinese, Japanese women, they experience their own way. There's suppressed anger. Uh, hear a lot about from their non-Asian husbands, um, almost like a labeling their wives as a mental illness. So usually, open time is bipolar or borderline, and you hear, I hear that pretty frequently, not even from their husband, the children also kind of labeling their mothers that way. But I think they don't understand the cultural dynamic. They are really suppressing, from our perspective, it looks like a suppressing, but they actually be pretty content about just maintaining the name of the family. Did, mm-hmm. I, did I answer your question? Yes, you sure did. And mm-hmm. so as we begin to wrap up, I'm wondering three mm-hmm. things. Um, obviously, you're located where? Uh, 
near uh, Ellicott City, Maryland. It's near. It's a bit between Baltimore and Washington D.C. Okay, and so if somebody wanted to contact you to either consult with you about an Asian mm-hmm. client that she or he had, how could they do that? They can reach me through um, my website, mendingheartacademy.org, or they can uh, send me an email, cst at mendingheartacademy.org, or they, they can call me. And so Mending Hearts Academy is the name of mm-hmm. your website. And, and mm-hmm. is there any literature or any book that someone could read mm-hmm. to become more educated about this, whether you're um, a partner who's been betrayed and you're mm-hmm. Asian or you are working mm-hmm. within an Asian community? Mm-hmm. I have already found one specifically more towards Asian community, but there are a couple of books uh, talking about interracial marriage. Um, mm. I had a book, Interracial okay. Marriage. Yeah. Then um, it gives a good background about the stereotypes that I mentioned. Uh, they don't really talk specific, again, about Asian, but there's a multiple dynamic from theory perspective and the, the research out there, because there are really not many uh, research out there. Nowadays, they have a little bit more like, in a general kind of sense, but not really mm-hmm. about sexual betrayal. Because as far as I know, when I finished my dissertation in 2018, mine was the only one study that I could find, because it was tremendously difficult to even recruit them to talk about this issue. I had a, like five participants, and I had mm-hmm. a multiple clients in my uh, practice. But there is for, uh, there's not so much of the book that's talking about this particular issue, but there's multiple books about interracial couples. Uh, Borderland, I think that's what it's called. Uh, I can't remember his um, the author's name, but I often refer to mm-hmm. that. Um, and I also use a lot of Sue and Sue, the you know multicultural the textbook. And I um, I guess that's a mode of giving a broad perspective about different. The Asian cultural background. So I use those, and I actually use a lot of movies. Um, like Last Samurai, I talked about uh, that movie the other day with another client. It, I think, it brings mm-hmm. a lot of. Um, uh, it helps a lot of couples to approach it easily, and also I use it as almost like a homework exercise. Watch this together, you know, like especially pay attention to this particular segment. So I use a lot of movies. Because there's a lot of media out there already talking about Asian culture. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, interestingly enough, you and I both know that being a betrayed partner is a special special niche, and it it lends itself to a whole um, culture, if you will, of women that they need specialized help. Not every counselor can help them, and then. You combine that with being an Asian woman, and I can see why you have such a passion for helping people to understand the complexities of the Asian interracial relationship and also how partner betrayal affects Asians in general. And so I just so appreciate the work you're doing and, um, and the willingness you have to share your wealth and knowledge with us. Uh, very refreshing, and 
and it's a it's a wonderful thing you're doing for this community of partners and for the community at large. I I really thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, oh, it means absolutely. a lot to me just to talking about it, having an opportunity. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your information. And um, I tell you, you made me a better person when I was working with my last Asian client because I talked about something that I wouldn't have even known to bring up. And mm. you and I both know that's where it starts. It starts with the conversation mm-hmm. and being very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you so yeah. much. And uh, I look thank forward you. to talking to you again. Absolutely. Okay, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Bye. All right. So that again was Chin Taylor, and she doesn't work solely with Asian women, but she does have a fondness for Asian women. She knows how deeply they can be affected just being involved in an Asian interracial marriage and that stereotype that typically affects Asian women, um, there are so many of them, and she wants to dispel those myths. All right, well, we will see you again next week. We want you to have good holidays. Um, we know it's hard whenever you're dealing with partner betrayal. Everything seems to be different. Lots of women talk about their holidays are tainted or contaminated. And so I just want to say to you, I believe you as a partner are 100% responsible for finding some joy in the world, for finding something that brings you happiness. And I know that's tough. Some may even say it's impossible. But as a coach and as a mental health therapist, What I know to be true is you can find something that brings you some sense of identity separate from the partner betrayal. So as we end 2020 and move into 2021, I'm going to ask you to pick a word that you would like to symbolize your life. Um. Many women pick goals for for the new year. Well, I'm going to ask you to pick a word and to keep it at the forefront of your existence for 2021. Maybe that's self-care. Maybe that's support. Maybe that's autonomy, interdependence, strength, determination. You pick the word and make it your own and put it places that you'll see for 2021. And um, when I catch you again, I'm going to ask you what that word is. So feel free to email that to me at carol at carolthecoach.com. And as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. I want you to fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Have a good holiday, and we'll see you soon for more partner 
Betrayal Recovery Radio. The Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal. 